Welcome to Mystical Musings, May 18th, 2014, here in the Library of Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us and creating our community of mystics, people seeking to obtain unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know spiritual apprehension of truths beyond the intellect, I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. Today's mystical musing, the sum of the resonances, creating coherence. We are in every moment the sum of the resonances of body, soul, mind, and heart. We are also the resonances of our masculine and feminine sides. As we grow, all these components of being are shifting and coming into harmony. The cycle of harmony and disharmony is the way we move forward on the spiritual path. In times of harmony, there is a coherence amongst all the parts. This is when we feel strong and compassionate, peaceful, joyful, optimistic. When coherence is lost, we are singing the transformational blues. We all know these cycles well. In our time, these cycles occur very rapidly. It can be disconcerting, but it brings with it the promise of new consciousness, the consciousness of the perfectly coherent harmonizing of the yin and the yang, the individual and the collective, the new light and the new dark. This is unity and diversity, the goal of the ascension. We speak in this musing of ways we can make the best of the times of incoherence and disharmony, encouraging coherence in our quest to bring about the new era. To what do we listen? With what do we resonate? 
At our home, we listen to various chimes throughout the garden. We listen to wind chimes, bamboo chimes, to the winds and the breezes playing the tunes. We listen to city sounds filtered through our imaginations sometimes. So the sound of a police siren can be heard as the mating call of a hippogriff. You know what a hippogriff is? No. It's, uh, remember your Harry Potter, the hippogriff with the uh, head of the eagle and the wings of an eagle and the body of a horse. Just imagine what you may, might make of a trash truck or even neighbors talking. We also listen to our heartbeats, to the sounds of the living house, to our inner drummers. We listen. With what are you currently resonating? What vibration are you carrying in from earlier today? From earlier this week? Just for a moment and three times, would you sigh altogether? Just a big sigh. Ah. 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 Listening to the felt quality of your sigh. It reveals so much. The sigh is a vibrational rojak mirroring our emotional presence. Are we up in our throats, in our head? Do we have presence in our belly, in the core? Is it tight, an easy sigh? Is the sigh tense or resonant? Doesn't matter the volume or the intensity, only the quality. So again, three times, and let it extend a little bit this time. Ah. 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 From the wonderful book that we've been exploring this season, The Presence Process. Felt perception is an encounter with the vibrational field. That is to say, what you sense and feel and even move is a vibrational encounter. The state of listening, of being a receiver, is vibrational contemplation. Listening is how the heart initially feels the resonance of the vibrational. Just being here together, we are in training each other, coming into a resonance with each other. Hence, a benefit of community, turning attention toward listening to our hearts right now. Using your breath slightly more deeply to mediate presence in listening to heart. A deeper breath, not a deep breath as that pulls us more into energy, but a deeper breath to facilitate awareness of heart, of emotional feeling. 
And throughout our season, one of the resonances that we've created has been the oscillation where you start in your pelvis and you let yourself bend a little bit and then arch a little bit, ever so slightly bending and arching. The least movement possible, really, just enough that you oscillate above and below the horizon. Just a tiny little oscillation. If it's big, it pulls you more into movement and energy. If it's little, it allows you to maintain contact with feeling emotions, spiritual presence. There are resonances to all things. According to leading edge science and quantum mechanics, string theory says everything in the universe, all the particles that make up matter and forces, is comprised of tiny vibrating strings. The only difference among strings is its resonance, resonant pattern, how it vibrates. The string of a violation has mainly one tone. Excuse me. <laughs> I beg your pardon. It could be a violation too, but that's not what I'm speaking about. The string of a violin <laughs> has mainly one tone. <laughs> the fundamental resonant pattern, the frequency. The body of the violin has resonant frequencies amplifying the sound of the vibrating string. All things have resonance. Furniture, Plants, trees, emotions, prayers, postures, movements, the earth, stars, galaxies, even the universe itself, whose frequency is said to be OM, three times, extending the OM a bit with me, if you would. Nice and slow, deeper breath, feeling the sound, but also feeling your body as you create the sound. I honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, and of peace. As you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste. So glad everyone can be here with us on our final musing of the semester. Uh, we take the summer semester off for rest and recreation and for having several Sabbaths a week. And so we will include everybody in our prayers. Please include us in yours. We carry you in our hearts and it is a great blessing for us. We start again in September.
but we will be around this summer. So if you need us to go out to a fancy dinner with you, just give us a call. <laughs>
so many different resonances, resonances of the drill. Um, there was a musical a number of years ago called Stomp. Do you remember that? And they just took city sounds and started making the sounds reflected in percussion. And uh, it was uh, uh, incredibly evocative to feel the sounds of the city being transformed into music. And so we might just take this, maybe not the mating call of a hippogriff, but, but uh, just as a resonant sound, and it's just hanging out. As many of you know, I tend toward being a pessimistic, whereas Myron is more the optimistic. Please allow me to be a little pessy for a few minutes, uh, voicing some of our darker concerns. Our challenges in the 21st century often feel daunting. There is such an unsettled collective sense currently with the widespread acceleration of exponential change, especially including the tsunami of technological transformation sweeping over the globe. While here in America for over 30 years, there's a flat middle-class income as well as the great wealth gap. Globally, we have the gigantic wave of climate change pummeling our planet in so many growingly extreme ways, including the loss of the coral reefs, the acidification of the oceans, the loss of the fisheries. There is the intractability of polarized politics and the extreme skewing of facts and truth in media, proliferating gun violence in America. While the heartland is facing severe drought, with the increasing likelihood that fresh water will become a commodity more valuable than oil in many areas of the world. There are the escalating face-offs between Russia and Ukraine, as well as China and Japan, the ongoing horrors of Syria and the Middle East, as well as the instability of a nuclear-armed Pakistan and North Korea. It's all enough to, one, to make one a pessimistic. No wonder anxiety is a widespread collective response to our extraordinarily volatile times. But let me make also the case for the optimistic perspective. In order to keep my pessimistic at least somewhat in check, I intentionally seek out each month positive evidence and uplifting resonance of transformation. But this month I had a problem. Not that there was a lack, but rather an abundance. Unusual. I've never found in the four or five years now I've been doing this an abundance of optimistic evidence for mass transformation, so much so that I had a very hard time choosing just one. For example, there have been a number of stories about how the iPad has made serious and unexpectedly remarkable inroads into new learning, expression, and communication with seriously autistic people. 60 Minutes recently showed children who were otherwise chronically unresponsive, actively engaged with the world through their iPads. Pretty amazing positive evidence in and of itself. Then there's the extraordinary ongoing transformation of the American family. What not too long ago used to be rather monolithic with two opposite sex parents of the same race and ethnicity is now more diverse than what science fiction might have imagined not that long ago. Yet more evidence because of its remarkable inclusiveness for positive transformation. For a true pessimistic's delight, a recent cover story of Time magazine was entitled Finding God in the Dark. Strength, purpose, and true faith are to be found in the shadows. Based on the work of Barbara Brown Taylor, 
a leading the theologian and New York Times best-selling author. The focus is on opening to the dark, including facing our darkest emotions as well as simply walking in the night because darkness holds more lessons than light and it sometimes is in the bleakest void that God is nearest. Challenging the belief that darkness is evil, scary, or just plain bad. On the contrary, darkness holds divine mystery. More incipient evidence that a pessimistic in particular just loves. Then, more on the optimistic side, was a recent Rolling Stone interview with Bill Gates, who says, quote, America's way better off today than it's ever been. Say you're a woman in America, would you go back 50 years? Say you're gay in America, would you go back 50 years? Say you're sick in America, do you want to go back 50 years? I mean, who are we kidding, says Bill Gates. Before 1700, everybody was poor as hell. Life was short and brutish. Then we started inventing electricity, steam engines, microprocessors, understanding genetics and medicine. Innovation is the real driver of progress. But the mystery and the beauty of the world is overwhelmingly amazing. And there's no scientific explanation of how it came, to about, uh, came about. To say that it was generated by random numbers, that does seem sort of an uncharitable view. I think it makes sense to believe in God. Yet more great evidence focalized by Bill Gates for positive transformation. But there's more. Speaking of innovation, Fast Company magazine recently wrote about the world's 50 most innovative corporations. And looking at innovations wrought by just one company, Google, is breathtaking. Innovation by all 50 is overwhelming evidence for incipient positive transformation. And then, of course, there is the selfie, the taking of a smartphone photo of oneself by oneself, but usually not for oneself. Oxford Dictionaries recently bestowed upon selfie the champion word of the year. Watch out for high or low selfie esteem. Being selfie-ish. Or even my, me, my selfie, and I. Watch out for selfie abuse. And of course, to thine own selfie be true. Amusing, but not quite transformational evidence. But thus far, we are leaving you over, for over the summer with a plethora of positive transformation that might just sustain us until we meet again at the autumn equinox. But what, you might be wondering, is this month's prime candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. I see curious looks on many faces. <laughs> well, the sharing economy. In Denver alone, there are more than a thousand opportunities to rent a room in someone's home or the whole house or an apartment by the day without regard to zoning, fire codes, insurance, health, safety, or any licensing requirements or even taxes. The sharing economy offers options for vacation as well as your dog's vacation. Renting a Persian rug, borrowing an expensive handbag, having breakfast with a neighbor in their home, getting someone to obtain takeout for you at midnight, getting a neighbor to change your oil or your bike, uh, tune up your bike, get the Uber app to order a town car to your door, or even using UberX, Zipcar, 
eco car or car to go to use a car by the minute or by the mile. You can find, if you insist on driving your own car, parking in someone's driveway for Buell Theater or Coors Field. The sharing economy allows us to rent out your own vehicle at the airport while traveling. You can use Lyft, L-Y-F-T, to get a taxi paid for by donation. Home gardeners can now sell their produce and preserves from their own homes. The sharing economy is also known as collaborative consumption, which exists in a parallel universe wherein ownership is replaced by accessing. Says the present president of the Denver City Council, it's an earthquake in how we think about possessions and it is making government, unions, and watchdog agencies tremble about what to do about it or whether to do anything about it at all. From a recent Wired magazine, we are entrusting complete strangers with our most valuable possessions, our personal experiences, and our very lives. In the process, we are entering a new era of internet-enabled intimacy, working with a set of tools that encourages us to trust our fellow human beings. What a unique concept, to trust. Recently, young adults have purchased over 10% less of new cars sold in America comparing 2010 with 1985. Homeownership has dropped by 12%. Ownership is declining in value and is being replaced by a sharing culture fostered by social media and empowered by the information and communication revolution in our hands, in our smartphones. Government is beginning to address this tsunami in commerce. We are, as a culture, beginning to debate the effects of these disruptive technologies, recognizing that we are undergoing a huge shift from ownership to access. Some sharing economy leaders are intending nothing less than a fundamental rewiring of our relationships with one another, using technology to enable our core human instinct for real human interaction. Hence, the sharing economy as this month's prime candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. (laughs) So if you would close your eyes for one moment, I want to bring a resonance to that. This semester, we began in January talking about the presence process by Michael Brown. And I know since that time, many of you have done it, and some of you had done it before we mentioned it. And what is distinctive about the work is that he gives you techniques for feeling feelings and then letting the feeling itself dissipate while keeping its energy. So being empowered 
when we are angry or sad or afraid or grieving, keeping the energy and adding it to the sum of our resonances. He also told us how to take it when people hurt our feelings, made us angry, scared us, by teaching us to respond rather than react. Reacting is going to defensiveness. Responding is feeling the feeling through knowing that some childhood wound had been triggered. Very empowering this study has been. And in that study, Michael Brown does not use the word spiritual, does not use the word God, does not use the word sacred. What he uses is the word vibration. You catch on about halfway through the book that what he's talking about, when he's talking about feeling the feelings, responding rather than reacting, is to bring us into the present moment and allow ourselves not to react, allow ourselves to stay in the moment because we are free of all these childhood wounds taking over and running our lives, which they will do if we don't feel them. Again, the benefit is making us stronger and freer. Next this semester, we talked about a very exciting concept to me, which was that ultimately what we're moving toward is not toward everything being light. I've been teaching that for a hundred years and I've been practicing that and then suddenly I caught, got caught up short because light is one side of an equation and you cannot have light, even the word, without dark. That's the way language is. But we all know that we have times of darkness. We all know that sometimes we are being run by subconscious energies. So we recognize that darkness and its necessity. It's the bass notes, it's the earth tones, it's a part of who we are, it is Mother Earth, it is grounding, it gives us boundaries, it really contributes to us in many ways. And so, moving toward a new manifestation of light and dark and a new consciousness that comes about from that, which is the consciousness of inclusion and bringing us into a larger bandwidth of consciousness. So that's the consciousness I see 
as developing now while we're in this time of very accelerated growth. And I'm watching it. I'm getting lots of examples of how people are doing this. So people will come into my office and say, I've had the worst week, and then detail all their woes, and then end it by saying, but basically I'm fine. Basically I feel okay. And I mean, people who are in radical trouble right now, I mean, legal trouble and all of that. But they will say after they've detailed that to me, I know that everything's happening for a reason and I know I'm creating it. So that consciousness is really manifesting now in very everyday ways. And it's manifesting also in the way we meditate, the way we pray. It's much more grounded and it's much more embodied. Now, a lot of people are calling the time that we're in the time of ascension. And as you know, as many of you know, I like to call it the time of descension, which is to say bringing heaven down into earth, bringing the highest vibrations down so that they resonate in our bodies. So what I've been looking for is a language that will help me understand more and be able to receive more and to know how to bring myself more into harmony with myself. Now, here's another thing that I've been teaching for years that I have abandoned, which is talking about the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, and the spiritual body. Those are almost like separate parts of me. And there's not much interaction because bodies mean separate. So Lawrence and I noticed the vibrational language that uh, Michael Brown was using and we began to adopt it ourselves. And then Lawrence looked for uh, synonyms of sort. So we came up with resonance that was his word, and I think it is a really good one. Vibration, resonance, frequency. So if I think of my physicality as a frequency, which it is, okay, our bodies are always in motion. Everything's always in motion, string theory tells us. But we know that our bodies are always in motion because electrons are spinning around and everything in us is movement. So our language has not been friendly to that experience. And so the language we are adopting, and it's really helping a lot, is physical vibration, emotional vibration, mental vibration, spiritual vibration. Now these, you can see, you can harmonize. And they don't have those boundaries that are put there by our language about bodies. And so it's much more in keeping with what we're doing now, which is moving ahead with great speed, vigor, and joy. 
So it gives us much more chance to harmonize ourselves when we are thinking about that. And when we're with another person, we can see whether or not we're resonating with them. And if we are resonating with them, we know that there's someone we want to be around. Now, there are times when the frequencies don't match at all. And that's when we honor the oneness and honor the essential frequency of humanity and we don't go forward in a relationship or a project or a job that untunes us. Now, as we are growing rapidly, there will be times of disharmony. And if there aren't those times of disharmony within us, we're not growing. Okay? It, it, it takes disharmony so we can harmonize on a higher level and have a bigger bandwidth of our personal expression. So if we think about ourselves as moving and vibrating, as we think about ourselves as frequency, it also loosens the body and it opens us up to the ultimate vibration, which is the vibration of the divine presence. So it's much easier for me to invite the divine presence into my life as, I'm, as, as if I'm not thinking of myself as solid or a collection of solid beings. It's really just easier to open and say, okay, I want, I want to be harmonized. I want to be unified. I want to be singing in my body. I want to have your presence here to work its magic on the resonances of my body, my mind, my feelings, my heart. And the divine then when we get into that moment and we can ha live in actual harmony with ourselves and with our environment, with everyone around us, then we are truly in the moment. That's what really brings us into the present moment. And since I've been doing this as a practice, it's much easier for me to go into the moment after I've asked the divine. Now, I want, to, I want to say that we should never be shy about asking for divine assistance and divine tune-ups because we are created as unique expressions of the divine presence. And each one of us has value. Each one of us has worth. So we have to have that feeling of worthiness in order to open to receive. We also have authority over our own resonances. Authority energetically, not mentally, but a feeling of authority and taking responsibility and being in the divine presence as much as we can and knowing our worth when we do that and allowing that to come to us. And we allow that for everyone. 
there's a difference, an important difference between feeling worthy and feeling special, right? Because if I feel special, I separate myself from you. If I feel worthy, I see your worthiness. If you feel your own worthiness, it is easy to see everyone else's worthiness. So we are not shy about inviting heaven to come to earth. And that's what we're in the process of doing. So new concepts, new ideas don't necessarily replace a lot of the old ideas. Some we take with us. And one particularly that is helpful now, helpfulness is the concept of mindfulness of flowing in to your day. So starting the day by going into your heart center and sending out blessings on your entire day and imagining it and creating it from intention and everything will line up. So using intention to come into the moment, using intention and sitting back and allowing it. Again, easier for me when I use the language that is moving. It's about movement. It's about not being in a static place. It's not stasis. It is movement. All the time, movement. Now, one of the important things we have also discovered recently is in using this language for the new paradigm requires not only that we feel worthy of having more and more of the divine presence or having more and more of whatever it is we want. If there's something we want, we vibrate with it. We bring it into our vibratory fields. It's there with us. We feel our way forward. We vibrate with The other thing about being worthy is that we put ourselves in a place of receiving. And this is something that we have really neglected for a long time in our culture. And it used to be a great part of the culture. And that is the idea of a Sabbath. A day, a part of a day, in which we do not do anything except receive. Allow ourselves to just be open to the divine influence, but not to do, to have a day of being and have it being be not a noun like human being, but a verb like being. So a Sabbath can be a whole day, it is for me. Uh, it can be a walk in the garden. It can be a walk along the Highline Canal. It can be listening to music. The only thing it can't be is working instead of being. So 
this is a challenge. But since most of us are of a certain age, it's also good for our physical resonance to be able to slow down and to take things much more easily. Move at a slower pace. This is hard for us because we have been so conditioned that if we're sitting around doing nothing, it's a waste of time. Well, the opposite is true. So my meditations have been in the morning to feel the vibrations of all these energies within me. And from the place of worth and authority in me saying, harmonize, harmonize. And then in that harmonizing place, I can move out to bless everybody and let everyone bless me. If I'm thinking about sending energy to Paul, and it's Paul over in his home and mine, it's like a body to body. But if I think I can just resonate over to Paul's, I can. We can just move. I just resonated down to Durango yesterday to be with a friend, Godson. So we have much more control and it's much easier and we feel much more relaxed. So in this time, again, where the paradigm is shifting, we're wanting new language and wanting to, to move and allow ourselves to move. This is what has really worked well. In the evening, I do the same thing and I expand my bandwidth. So the bandwidth over to the yang and the bandwidth over to the yin. So I have this large continuum this beautiful vibrating violin of energy. And then it makes me bigger without my having to think about it. Because when we have to think about it, the ego is gonna be there in a split second to take over what it is. But if we're living energetically and conceiving ourselves energetically, and as always moving, and as a sum of these resonances, that's not a temptation. So it's something to think about over the summer and practice and have fun with. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. <laughs> Namaste.
felt perception, how we sense, how we feel emotionally, even how we move. Felt perception is an encounter with the vibrational field. The state of listening, of being a receiver, is vibrational contemplation. Listening is how the heart initially feels the resonance of the vibrational. What is the sum of the resonance that creates coherence at this point in space and time? We've been transported by Myron's mystical piano musings, lifted up and invited to melt into oneness, celebrating embodiment and the great spirit. The sum of the resonance is truly evoked by Myron's magical musical channeled explorations with our full participation through an ever-deepening listening into mystic union. The sum of the resonance is love and truth and peace and joy. The sum of the resonance is revealed in Myron's wonderful talks, his mystic theology. As you can see, I kvel, you know that term? It's a Yiddish term that the heart overflows. I kvel with my love for beloved Myron as I know so many of you do. It continues to be awesome to me that he brings forth these always insightful, wise, heartful talks without notes. (laughs) Each time, every time for 11 years now, I continue to be inspired to go yet deeper and more expansively into love, into presence by our beloved Myron's wonderful gifts that he so generously shares with us. The sum of the resonance flows from each of our spiritual practices that especially somehow integrates the body through resonant movement, remembering all things, emotions, embodied states of being, movements, vibrate. Embodied awareness, practice, presence, especially the micro-movements that comprise each of our days, the sum of which are how well we are organized to negotiate gravity and move our bodies through space and time, the prime micro-movement of which is the vertical length of our spine oscillating in the first plane of our slouching and lifting our heads slightly above the horizon, bending and extending. You can even think the movement and you are firing the neurons connected with the muscle fibers associated with the pattern of movement. The sum of the resonance is most definitely integrating the polarities, honoring the light but not being predominantly light-centric, honoring the dark but not wallowing, not staying fixated in fear, anger, grief, but allowing the presence of darker emotions to be felt, to be breathed, to be integrated, not by denying, but by honoring a new era unfoldment of union of opposites, especially practicing feeling the darkness while holding the light, unconditionally lovingly holding our inner child while allowing him or her to feel whatever it is that they need to feel. The sum of the resonance is most of all being found in each of our hearts, each day, every day. And this day, here 
now in this, reflected in the exquisite mystical musings field that we co-create, a field that we have been co-creating now for over 11 years. The sum of the resonance is the great privilege it is for us to share this presence together. From the fullness of our hearts to the fullness of your hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste. If I'd been using notes, I would have remembered to talk about this language and healing. Because I've found it so easy to harmonize and send those harmonic energies into my left eye, into my ears, into my joints, into any part of me that is healing. And it's really made a difference because then my eye can feel that vibration because my eye is a vibration and the love that I'm sending is a vibration and they harmonize. So it's a beautiful way of healing ourselves and also of healing others. I would like to take a moment before we stand and ask you to close your eyes and harmonize all your resonances. Just feel all the resonances harmonizing. Beautiful. And the wonderful thing about moving into unity and diversity, or unified diversity, is that there's an underlying resonance of oneness with us. And there's also the distinctive, unique energy signatures of each individual here. And so it is really beautiful to feel the field you've just co-created.